0: All right, let's jump right in. I got three hot potato questions tonight. Hot potatoes. I had to wear my, uh, what do you call those things you tell I don't cook much? Oven bits. thank you, when you get the hot thing out. I had, to, I had to carry my Bible in here tonight with an oven mitt on my hand. It was that, just like that. So let, let's look at this first one tonight. How should a Christian vote? I've got three questions. How should a Christian vote? Uh, What do we understand about divorce and remarriage? Remarriage is really the big issue. People need to find some help. And the third one, does God hate anybody? Uh, There's a scripture that that says that. How do we understand that? What does that mean? And how do we process those things? Because here's what I want you to understand as you study the Bible. Until you have read everything the Bible says on a subject, you can't make a decision about that. You can't just pull one scripture. How many with me? You can't just say one scripture says it's What does the entirety of Scripture say about a subject, then you can make a decision and, 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 and have a good, uh, a good insight as to what God wants to do. So let's go to this thing. Should a Christian vote? I want you to take your Bibles to Proverbs 14, 34. While you're turning Proverbs 14, 34, how should a Christian vote? I did not say who a Christian should vote for. I said, how do we do this? All right, so let me give you a couple of things. Proverbs 14, we're going to read. As we're getting there, and Pastor Josh is here. You know, let me go ahead and say, here we go. Uh, see the number here, 256-445-8655. Uh, let's, let's try to stay on track with what we're dealing with tonight, all right? So if you, we'll, I'm going to answer some questions. You may have some uh, that are live. You, you can text your question to that, and Pastor Josh is going to help me keep up with those, and I'll try to hit... Questions that kind of come up in your mind as we move along, okay? So as we're turning to Proverbs 14, how should a Christian vote? Let me, let me make three statements here that I think are very important. The, because the first question uh, after that, how should we vote? Maybe the first question is, should we vote? Some people say Christians don't get involved in politics, that, that, that we shouldn't vote. Well, let's, let's stop using the word politics and let's, let's think in line about how our government functions. Let's, let's get out of Republicans and Democrats. Can we do that? All right? Let's, let's try. Let's try to not be polarized and narrow-minded in, in political parties and think about a Christian's responsibility to government and leaders, okay? Let's start there. Should a Christian vote? Well, we're told in Second uh, Timothy 1 we're to, or Second Timothy 2, we are to pray for our leaders, right? So, so we're, we're, we're to pray for our leaders. Then we're told uh, in Romans that we are to respect and obey our government leaders, are you with me? So we're told to pray for leaders. We're told to respect and obey our leaders. Uh, uh, Jesus said that you, you're into, under Caesar with the Caesar's. We're told to pay taxes. So, so if we are told to pray for our leaders, respect and obey our leaders, pay taxes, and recognize the government, you understand, you have to look beyond just a... a, a what's happened in America, we're so shallow. Shallow. We live in a shallow culture. It's all about... What you look like, and you, are you with me? And, and, and we vote by personalities now instead of substance. Very shallow, instantaneous, you know, web driven culture. And so many people vote simply by personality. Some people vote by the way a person looks. I mean, dear God, you know, we, we need to grow up again, okay? So, so, do we have a connection to government? It's clear in Scripture that we do. So, therefore, we have a responsibility uh, uh, to not vote. Is surrendering your influence In government as a Christian Some people say well pastor uh, I'm going to give you some guidelines here in a minute But I'm just trying to hit some topics here that have been asked Some people say well What if there's not a clear Christian running for office Well <laughs> Sad to say Welcome to America today But but if because we don't have a clear Christian Candidate running if the church Which were to be salt and light Backs out of the Opportunity to influence government we're surrendering the leadership of this nation to the ungodly you understand that we're forfeiting our influence to the ungodly if we do not vote it becomes a little harder to vote nowadays so how do I decide who I vote for I'm going to give you a couple of quick things here how do I decide pastor so I want to I want to say to you very clearly I believe very clearly scripture teaches that we are inseparably connected and affected by the government Therefore, we need to be in the process. If we don't vote, we're surrendering the influence of salt and light that church should have in the government process. Right? So uh, let's so let's read a couple of things. I, I want to show you this Proverbs fourteen and verse thirty four. I want I want you to see these contrasts. And if the church is not informed in voting, listen the 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 uh, less Christian our politicians, our people running for office appear to be the more research we're going to have to do. How many heard what I said? If it's a very obvious thing, that's easy, isn't it? But instead of withdrawing and saying, I'm just not going to vote for anybody, again, you're forfeiting influence. So we have to do our work. So watch these contrasts. And only Christian voters can create this. Okay, Proverbs 14 and verse 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. Do we want our nation exalted? Do we want our nation blessed? Well, the Bible says righteous influence creates that. If we do not elect righteous people and try to create influence for righteousness, we are forfeiting God's blessing on our nation. We're turning it over to sin, and sin is a disgrace to uh, any people. All right, let's go to Proverbs 25, 5. Proverbs 25, 5. I'm just trying to establish in our minds we have to stay connected and be informed in prayer and study. All right, Proverbs 25 and verse number 5. Remove the wicked from the king's presence. Right in this day and time, so king, think about a president or a governor or a mayor. Okay, you're with me? Different levels. Remove the wicked from the king's presence and his throne will be established through righteousness. So if we're not voting as Christians, we're allowing a sinful culture to put sinful people in pres- places of authority. You understand that? That's what it says. Remove the wicked from the king's presence. How do you remove the wicked? You vote in the righteous. Yeah, uh, how, do stay, how do wicked stay in influence? The church goes to sleep and doesn't do their job. Okay, uh, Proverbs eleven ten, 10. Proverbs 11 and verse 10. Look at this. Proverbs 11, 10. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. Are ungodly people going to elect righteous people? No. Are ungodly and sinful people going to elect uh, uh, righteous people in a city? No, they're not going to do that. If we don't do that, this will not happen. Okay? When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. Look at this. When the wicked perish, there's shouts of joy. All right? Uh... Let, let's, let's go to verse number 11. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. You see that contrast there? By the through, through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. We see this, con, this contrast back and forth. You have to understand, there will be no righteousness in the government of this nation unless the righteous people exert their influence. It's our responsibility. Let's look at a couple of others talking about what happens if the righteous are not there. About wickedness. Proverbs 29, verse 2. Proverbs 29, 2. All right? Proverbs 29, 2. When the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. Again, if godly people are not praying, studying, being informed, doing our responsibility... What's going to happen? We leave it to the wicked, which causes the, the people to be oppressed and heavy. All right? Proverbs 28 and verse 12. Twenty-eight, twelve. When the righteous triumph, there is great elation. But when the wicked rise to power, men go into hiding. Look at the difference of those two things. See that? When the righteous triumph, there is great elation. But when the wicked rise to power, men go into hiding. We have a unique privilege And responsibility as Americans, we live in a democratic republic, the longest-running democratic republic on the face of the planet, a nation founded on the Judeo-Christian values, on the Word of God, on prayer and fasting and those directives. And we have a privilege and a responsibility to do those things. Now, uh, let let me give you a couple of uh, guidelines here. Have we got any questions on this already? Uh, Can we get a mic on this here? Okay. How, how can we effectively pray for our leaders? Okay, I'm going to come to that. Listen, so let me finish this thought. Scripture, how do we... So who do I vote for? How do I vote as a Christian? All right, church family, let's, let's, let's grasp a couple of things right now. The Bible, Scripture is our standard. Will we agree on that? Is, is the Word of God above every other uh, commitment and loyalty in our lives as believers? Is that, is that true? Okay, so we start there. All right, we start there. Scripture is a standard. I want—I want to help you with something. Uh, let me reverse the. How can I say it? Let me try to think. Because man, yeah. Have you ever noticed how sensitive our culture is today? I've never seen so many, many offended people in my life. Everybody's offended about something. I mean, it's like anyway. So I, I have to be so careful because I don't want you to politicize what I'm saying tonight. So let me think about this. Scripture is our standard. We as Christians. Regardless of our age, regardless of our uh, ethnicity, regardless of our socioeconomic level, regardless of what areas of the country we grew up in, we should be able to agree that the Bible, the Word of God, is the standard for how we make every decision in our life. Is that a fair statement? It, it, otherwise, where do, we, where do we start? So we start with Scripture. Who do I vote for, Pastor? I think I've established the fact very clearly we should vote. It's a responsibility and a privilege. Secondly, who, who am I going to vote for? Well, let's look at these people running for office. And the first thing, we, we go to Scripture. I, I want to help you. Not a political party. I'm, I, I'm not going to... I, well, if I do hurt your feelings, I don't mean hurt your feelings. I might step on your toes, but not your feelings, right? <clears throat> I'm really not concerned who your grandfather voted for. I'm really here not impressed by if your family always votes... Democrat, that's Democrat and Republican together. I'm trying to be careful of everything he said. Republicrat. Maybe your family are republicrats. All right? The point is, as Christians, that's not how you select a candidate. My loyalty, Jesus said that we leave father, mother, brother, sister for his sake. Is that what Jesus said? So I'm not voting to please my family history. I, I love family. You know I love. I'm a family man. But you understand that? That's not how you vote. You vote according to the word of God. You say, everybody in my family votes that way. Well, why don't you help them vote the right way? I'm just quiet in here now. See, I, I, you ask me the question, I'm answering it. Right? Everybody in my family votes so-and-so. Well, we should say, I'm going to vote according to the word of God. I knew it would get quiet for that. I'm, I'm okay. I'm comfortable with this. It's not about my tradition. It's not about my family. It's not about my tradition. Okay. All right, so so what do I look for? I, here's what I look for. Uh, again, is this candidate? Think of these terms. Is this candidate Jesus friendly? What do they say about Jesus? What do you hear? Are they church friendly? Are they going to assist the church in its mission? Are they going to try to take values and things away? Are they Jesus friendly? I didn't say they're they're not even Christian. Okay, Let's say if they're not an overt, overt Christian, are they Jesus friendly? You understand what that means? Are they church friendly? Or, or an enemy to the church, okay? Uh, are they respectful of God? How do, do they respect God? Are they respectful of God? Okay, how do they talk about God? Uh, do they do they recognize God as the supreme authority, Th- the God, the Creator? How do they? I, that's where I start looking. I start looking at these people. I listen. How do they? How do they respond to God? You know, I'm not. They don't have to be a preacher. You know, they don't have to be Billy Graham. Or an evangelist, I want to listen to them. What's their relationship like? Are they even just friendly to the church, encouraging to the church, encouraging to Christ? Do they honor God? Do they respect God? How do they talk about the Bible? They respect the Bible, they respect the Word of God. Okay, how, how does that work? All right, uh, and then if you look to all those things, you're still trying. I, I think what we have to do because there are political parties. And again, then, then, then if you are still working through that and you don't know, I, I think I would go to their political party, who they represent, and I would read the platform of that party. Which one of these platforms most represents what I believe about Christ, about the Word of God in the Bible. And so how should a Christian vote? A Christian should vote in agreement with the Word of God. A Christian should vote in accordance with what we see as godly, righteous standards. How do we put righteousness in office? How do we respond to our government accordingly? How do we do those things? Right? So I believe that's my answer to the question. I cannot be more specific than that because we have to take those things. So so Pastor Josh said somebody asked the question, how do we pray for those that are in Authority. I, I refer when I go to Second Timothy. It's First Timothy two, uh, verse one. First Timothy two one says, "I urge them first of all that request, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives and all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. Look at this." who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Look at this. The spread of the gospel is directly connected to praying for our leaders so that we as the church can operate in peace and preach the gospel. All right? So how do we pray for our leaders? We pray for our leaders in this fashion. First, we pray that that this is what I pray for them. If they are not a believer, I pray this for my leader. Father, I pray that you will bring this, this leader to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that you will separate them from the ungodly, that you will put godly influence around them, and they'll come to know you as their Savior and Lord. If they're a Christian, I pray this, Father, I pray for this leader, that they will be a man or a woman of faith and dignity. I pray for their personal relationship with you. I pray for their family. I pray for godly counsel around them. And I pray that they'll be strengthened and encouraged. So we bless them. We pray for them. The leaders that aren't Christians, we pray for them. We bless them, God. Bless this leader. Help them come to know you. Pray for Christians to come in their life. Pray for ungodly influence to be separated, for truth to be revealed. Any other question on this? All right. I want to go to to this next one. I hope that helps you. You know, it's critical. I do think we have a responsibility. And I think it comes to a place, I know it's not easy, uh, you have to ask yourself, the question I asked you in the beginning, is the Word of God your final authority? As a Christian, is that how we make our choices? if, If we do not do that, then we're going to be swayed. Come on, listen man, these, these folks these folks didn't get to office because they're not good talkers. You know, it's easy to promise and harder to deliver. They don't write their speeches. <laughs> Did you understand that? They're paying somebody to write those speeches. That's not even their speech. They're saying what their handlers tell them need to be said. We can't make our decisions about something as important as government based on anything above the Word of God. The Word of God is where we start. we work our way down. Okay, let's talk about divorce and remarriage, all right? Let's go there. Let me establish a couple of things here. I'll really delve into divorce and remarriage. We'll look at some scriptures, uh, but let's establish some guidelines. Number one, uh, I think it's very clear from scripture, uh, i got some good news for everybody, that God intended man and woman for each other. I'm really happy about that. I like my woman. You know, I'm really happy that God intended for, for man and woman to be together. And I want you to get this. The relationship was to be social as well as physical. Because Genesis 2.18 says, the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. We need each other. Marriage is God's design. It's His plan. It's healthy. It's good. We're better for that alright so so God intended man and woman for each other 2nd thing, I going to say marriage is to be heterosexual only I covered that in one of our first series of questions marriage is is a heterosexual design by God I there's scripture Old and New Testament abundantly clear about that alright God intended marriage to be a permanent union alright Jesus in Matthew 19 Paul in Ephesians 5 Quoted the passage from Genesis that said that, therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. That was spoken in, 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 in Genesis and then now quoted by Jesus, quoted by Paul in Ephesians. So God's intent is for marriage to be uh, forever, for life, all right? Uh, God intended marriage to be monogamous. That means one man, one woman. Everybody get that? that means nobody enters into that marriage covenant and marriage is a covenant marriage is a covenant it is first an agreement made before God How I mean, you're hearing what I'm saying and then before people marriage is not a contract it's a covenant before God now marriage is the foundation of the family God designed your children and children to grow up in an atmosphere of a husband and a wife in a family it's God's design it's his plan it, it, it is what causes the family to be secure and and to be solid. Now I'm I want to work you through a, a passage that's tough, but we if we get the meaning, it's encouraging. All right. I want you to go to uh, Malachi two verse fourteen. Malachi. Everybody knows where that is. Last book in the Old Testament. All right. Malachi chapter two, verse fourteen through sixteen. Watch this. Understand. Hear what God says, and don't miss what he's what what he's what's not being said. All right. How does God feel about divorce. What's God's view of divorce? Now, listen to me closely, God. If you're here tonight, you've been through a divorce, you're not going to be condemned with my answers. You're going to be encouraged by what we find in the Word of God. How many hear what I'm saying? This is, I don't think, I think we've taken scriptures and done some patchwork, maybe from from genuine intent, but we have misunderstood divorce and remarriage, I believe, from Scripture in, in many areas. But we need to understand how important marriage is to God. I'm, that's what I'm illustrating. All right, do you understand that? How important marriage is. We we'll say, Pastor, if marriage is that important, what, if sh- what should we do? Well, you better be really, really sure before you marry somebody. That's what we should do. Okay? It's not asking somebody out on a date. It's not saying, well, if it doesn't work out, No. You understand? Unless you're willing to love a person to the good and the bad, the thick and the thin, and really pay attention to your vows you say, you're not ready to get married. Okay? You understand? So you say, Well, gee, that's kind of intimidating. If God's will is married, one person for life, I don't know if I'm ready. Well, then you're not. (laughs) I'm not sure that's the person. Well, they're not. You know, when you find the will of God for your life, you can't think of anything else in this world but being married to that person for the rest of your life. All right? So what's God's view? That's God's view of marriage. Let's look at God's view of divorce. Now listen, you got to understand. Let's work our way through this, okay? How, how, this is what we read, right? Malachi two fourteen. The Lord is acting acting as a witness between you and the wife of your youth, because you have broken faith with her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant, has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit, they are His. And why one? God was seeking, because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. And I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. So God's a pretty heavy subject. God loves marriage. He created marriage. He designed marriage and God said he hates divorce he didn't say he hates divorcees the word doesn't say he hates somebody who's gone through the pain of divorce God hates what divorce does to us God hates you and I being robbed of God's blessing of marriage by something else getting in the way so it's pretty sobering isn't it but I want, I want to help you walk through this so uh, God was never, uh, divorce was never a part of God's original design. It's not, it's not, you know, okay, you can get married and if it doesn't work, that's not God's design. Is everybody with me on that? So, so when God says he hates divorce, he's not condemning those who've been through it, particularly somebody who's completely not at fault or been victimized by what other people have done. That's, that's not, that's not the plan at all. Well, the plan is this, God wants us to honor marriage. He wants to recognize that divorce is a damaging, painful thing for anybody who's ever gone through it, all right? Uh, if you look at almost every scripture in the Old Testament, it, about, and it, it, we're, we're going to stay in the New, but about divorce, uh, th- divorce was always, uh, God was trying to protect people from divorce, not try to condemn the victims of it, all right? There's a protection there. So uh, Jesus uh, said, that uh, in Matthew 19, let's go to Matthew 19, verse 5 and 6. Let's turn there. What did Jesus say about marriage? I'll qu- I quoted a minute ago, but let's go to Matthew 19. So walk with me through this. I want you to stick, stick with me. Don't turn, don't turn your hearing aid off right now, okay? Stay with me. Don't start reading your Facebook right now. Stay with me. I know the only reason to you have your phone up is to read Scripture. I know that right now. In Jesus' name, I know that. All right? Don't check any baseball scores or anything else right now, all right? Matthew 19... 5 or 6, uh, let's go to verse 4, Matthew nineteen four. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother, and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore, God is joined together, let not man separate. That was the statement, that's what Jesus said. The marriage is, is not to be separated. God has joined husband and wife together. That's His plan. It's the will of His purpose. It was not to be broken. Uh, so, so how we how, how do we do this? Let's let's look at First Corinthians uh, chapter seven and verse ten. There are there are three areas that I think that we have to look to for couples to find uh, how do I how do I maneuver through life if I've been through the tragedy of divorce. What happens? How, what do we do how do we how do we walk through this okay so let's look at first corinthians chapter 7 first corinthians 7 and verse number 10 all right you're with me there let's look at this let me find verse 10 to the married i give this command not i but the lord a wife must not separate from her husband but if she does she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband a husband must not divorce his wife now, what, 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 I, want you to, I want you to get something here. He's speaking to the church. And so what he's saying is, Christian couples are not supposed to divorce. They're supposed to keep the door open for reconciliation. Okay, Christian couples. Stay with me. A Christian is not supposed to be committing adultery. Okay, Christian couples. He's not talking about adultery here. He'll deal with that. We'll deal with that in a moment. He's talking about Christian couples that aren't getting along. You don't like the way she cooks your eggs. The romance is over. (laughs) Try to be (laughs) nice. There's no fire in the furnace anymore. The honeymoon's done. I don't like your job. You know, you don't treat me like you used to treat me. Yada yada. The scriptures clear that Christians are not supposed to be divorcing one another. I, I, I just got to tell you that's what scripture teaches us. Okay, so what is that? Why? Because we're supposed to be creating a place for God to restore and heal and bring us back together. everybody with me on that? Th- this is what we're seeing. Uh, we are to keep the door open for reconciliation. All right. Now, let, uh, while we're here, uh, let's let's look at verses uh, twelve. Beginning of verse twelve. So, see, he's speaking to the church now. He says to the rest. Okay, to the rest, look at verse 12. To the rest I say this, I, not the Lord. Now, what does that mean? That's not Paul's advice, and it's less than biblical. He's saying, I'm not quoting Jesus on this. He quoted the Lord on the other. He says, this isn't something Jesus said, but it's inspired of the Spirit. Does that make you understand what he's saying? So this isn't something, I'm not quoting Jesus. This is the Word of God, though. If any brother has a wife, watch this, who is not a believer, and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her and if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her she must not divorce him so what is this saying he said Christians can't take the initiative and divorce even an unbelieving spouse if they're willing to live with him. see I had a man come to me one time said pastor I'm going to divorce my wife I said why he said because I'm a Christian now what does it mean he said well I've died to the old way of life and everything's new I said you missed that partner sit down <laughs> People want to turn and switch the word. So, do you understand? We just read Scripture. If you're a Christian and your husband or wife is not a Christian, usually in that case that's something that's happened after you're married. You know, someone has accepted Christ and the other one hasn't. The Bible says if they're willing to stay with you, you can't just divorce them because you say, I'm a Christian and you're not. You understand that? That's what we just read. Okay? That's, That's not the reason to do that. He said, if they're willing, you read, if they're willing to stay with you, what do you do? Then you stay with them. And we read, for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife. And the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. So there's a covering and a blessing there. Right? That's not easy. But you see the honor of marriage. Okay? Let's go. Uh, Let let me say this. Uh, Now we we get to the next area. While while we make every effort to preserve our marriage... uh, when the unbelieving spouse is unwilling to continue the believer uh, should not be uh, held bound let, let, let me, uh, let's let look at verse 15 in the same passage right but if the unbeliever leaves let him do so a believing man or woman is not bound that, that word means enslaved in such circumstances so where do we go what do we see in this passage Christian, fan, Christian couples are to do everything they can to pray to seek the blessing and the favor of God and see God restore a damaged marriage to believers. Everybody with me? All right. Uh, if if one's a Christian and the other one is not but the unbeliever is willing to stay and work in this marriage then the believers to to do everything to make that marriage work. Everybody with me on that? And then we got to verse 15 and it says here's a different category what if the unbeliever leaves? Again, most of these times it would be probably they were unbelievers when they were married want to get saved if the if the unsaved one wants to stay, he said, then you try to wake that work. But if the unbeliever leaves the believing partner because of their faith, because of their lifestyle, they say, I'm I'm leaving. I'm not going to be in this marriage. I don't want to be with you. I'm gone. I'm leaving. Then then what then what does the Bible say? A believer or man is not bound in such circumstances. Under that situation, uh I believe that that, that uh, uh believing partner uh who has been abandoned or left by the unbeliever. Uh, because of what we read here, that they would be able, as they are praying and directing under God, to someday remarry, and God's blessing be on their life. All right, you're with me, okay? Thank you, Edward. I'm glad you're. With me. I appreciate it. All right, now what about this? Let's let's look at, uh, you know, it's very clear. Matthew 19:9, 9, Matthew 5:32, that the one clear, no question, if the spouse commits adultery adultery is so damaging that God even says you violated the covenant of marriage and if a person commits adultery then the permission is to leave that person and you'd be free to remarry now let me say this there's a lot of language here in these passages that gives some indication when the term used it's a habitual continuous thing this this unfaithfulness let me say, the Bible doesn't command a Christian or require a Christian to divorce an unfaithful partner. If they want to believe God to restore that marriage, if they want to stay, and we, I've seen some wonderful testimonies, has got to be very difficult. They are, by Scripture, permitted, if adultery has been committed on that person, to initiate the divorce and walk away from that unfaithful partner. And God could bless a, uh, a remarriage. But... Even, un, even in the case of adultery a Christian has it's not a command to leave them you see the difference but they have the privilege to leave if adultery has been committed so there are couples that have worked through some very difficult things and God has blessed their marriage and helped them and encouraged them and uh, restored even, even under uh, unfaithfulness which has to be incredibly damaging All right. so, so what do we see let me, let me give uh, one other, I think, uh, obvious one. I think there are three. The third one would be, uh, and, and let me get the scripture here. I want, I want you to see this scripture about what happens when uh, a person, uh, I got a lot of paper here, guys. I'm trying to bring, because I don't know what you're going to ask me. Uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians. We're in this same chapter 7. Look at verse, uh, let me see. Look at verse 17. So so what about a person who's been married and divorced or, or remarried before they came to Christ? Okay, there's that category, right? What do we read? Verse 17. Nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches, all right? So in other words, what he's saying is when, when you when you come to the Lord... Uh, wherever your place is, God's going to take you. How many are thankful that old things are passed away and all things become new? So we've had people, some people teach in church that if if for any reason you're ever divorced and remarried, that marriage can never be blessed. That's not biblical. There are three areas that that Scripture teaches us. One, in the case of adultery that broke a marriage up, you could remarry and have the favor of God on your life, right? Uh, If the unbeliever leaves the believer... You're not held to that. You can remarry, and blessing of God be on your life. What happens to people who had all these things happen before you came to Christ? You, you know, you come to Christ, you know, and you serve Him and you love Him, and He blesses that. How many are thankful? God's a faithful and kind God. Here's here's the one oh, those things. So I think there are three areas that there could be a blessed remarriage after divorce. I've shared them with you, but let me say this: the Bible is very clear. As a believer, if that happened to you. You, you were the innocent victim in adultery or the unbelieving spouse left. Uh, the Bible says if you're going to remarry, you must marry a believer. So there's no remarriage that'll be blessed if you didn't marry a believer as a believer. Everybody understand what I'm saying? If you're a believer, you're the innocent victim of, of, of uh, unfaithfulness or abandonment. If you pray and seek the will of God, God can bring a person in your life and bless that marriage. But, but let me go again. Scripture is clear. It's a believer. You're not to marry
1: an unbeliever in those cases. Questions on this? Yes, sir. If i married outside of God's purpose while I was broken, do I have to stay married to an abusive partner who refuses to follow Christ? That's that tough question, isn't it? Okay, let me tell you. There, there are two, two
0: things I think a person has to remove themselves from. It doesn't necessarily mean an immediate divorce. If you're being abused or physically beaten, you need to be out of that situation. Okay? That's not healthy. You're, you're not going to promote or, or bring healing or... Okay. So you or your children, if they're being abused or physically harmed, you need to remove yourself from that setting. Now, I didn't say immediately go get a divorce but you remove yourself from that setting. Again, we have people, we have Christians. Uh, that's where we find. A person who comes to Christ after salvation, They, the person they're married to, you know, is, is not a Christian person. And there's a difficult situation. I don't know in this setting, or is there abuse in the marriage? Is there, is there uh, you know, is there physical uh, abuse? You know, what happens? Well, I, I, again, I, you have to... Be in a safe place, put yourself in a safe place. And then, uh, typically, in that setting, then that unbeliever is going to have to make a decision. Are they going to come to Christ? They're going to make a decision. What, what are they going to do? I believe this I believe that God will honor your faith and protect you, not keeping yourself in a damaging thing. But if you're in a situation that is unhealthy and unsafe, and you put yourself out of that situation, then I believe God's hand will help you there. And that person is going to have to deal with the reality of their life. Either something changes and you're together or or they're they're going to go in a different direction. But don't stay, don't become codependent and and stay in a situation. Many times I know that's not easy. A wife may not be able to afford that. You know, and that's how a husband dominates an ungodly person. They'll dominate you by finances. You know you can't leave. You can't go again. I'm not. I said. I said two things. I didn't say. I did. I didn't say you had an argument. And you're an Auburn fan. they an Alabama fan. I said abuse or physical beating. And you understand abuse. Those settings, you have to pull yourself away from that. Pastor Josh.
1: Yes, sir. Um, I have great reason to believe that my husband has been unfaithful, but I cannot. I cannot prove it. Some say I have no right to divorce unless I catch him in the very act. I've seen uh, images on his computer, um, solicitations. Uh, can you help me with this?
0: Well, uh, You know, again, it's, an, it's a typical, difficult place. I think that there, what you have to do uh, instead of, and, and, and many, oftentimes you may need to do this with a counselor, a godly counselor, third party, but instead of sneaking, I think you need to confront. Okay, instead of being a detective, confront And say, this is what I see. This is what you've done. Uh, You know, you need to be honest with me, and and you know, you 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 confront them, and and either there there is you know uh, restoration and and honesty by that partner, or uh, you you know you 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 know they're they're violating the honesty of the marriage if they're going to be honest with you trustworthy and faithful then there's things you can do if they're not i think again i would confront them with with a with a godly person there
1: absolutely what if your christian spouse divorces you and adultery is not involved are you free to to remarry
0: yeah no that's an unusual one because it's two christians says you see that he says if the unbeliever wants to leave what if the believer leaves well again you're 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 you've been abandoned you you've been left and so if a person leaves you and you've done everything you can do as Christians, and and, and they they divorce you. Then uh, I think in that case you're 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 probably here in First Corinthians chapter seven category that a person has abandoned you. Again, the, the honest before God. Have you done everything you could do? Did you did you try? Did you pray? Did you did you seek counsel? Did you did you you know, you know that? Did you do your best? That's between you and God. You have to answer that question. Uh, I think in those rough situations you want to know. As difficult as it is that before God you did everything you could you did everything you could and if you did that and you've honored and that person leaves you and divorces you then you know people fall back to these passages and say that person commits adultery if they remarry that, that that's a that's a misapplication of these things we're walking through if you're abandoned and left uh, before God you uh, God can
1: bring healing and peace and restoration in your life I really believe that so. I think this is a reply to that uh, can uh, they marry other people with God's favor. Can you marry other people with god Again, if, it, if you're the innocent party
0: in a divorce, it, it, you know, and, and let me say this. I've pastored this church 37 years, so I've talked to a whole lot of people. You understand me? And there's not much I hadn't seen or heard. And the experience tells me this. There's a reason for everything. There's a reason for everything. You hear what I'm telling you tonight? There's a reason for everything. And if somebody leaves you, there a reason they left. Okay, and it's usually they don't like. It's not because they don't like your toothpaste. The grass got greener somewhere else. There, there are reasons people do what they do. Don't be naive. Don't be fooled by things. And as a Christian. We have responsibility to act like a Christian, to conduct ourselves like a believer, to do everything that we can. But uh, I I just have to say that if that if a person says they're a Christian and they leave their spouse when that spouse is saying, "I want to work with you," now listen, if you're acting like the devil or the devil's daughter, trying to run them off, come on, let's get real. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? You say, "I won't be so bad; they'll leave me." Hallelujah! I'll be free. No, that's not going to work you just said, can the favor of God be on me? Isn't that what you're after? So if you did an ungodly thing just to go by the letter of the law, you see what I'm saying? I'm just having to be real with you. You got me? God's not going to bless that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a Christian who loves God, who, who, who went through a uh, uh, heart-wrenching situation where their spouse wants to leave them, and all the, all the, you know, ramifications of that. You've done everything you can do. You love that person. You, you, you tried. You prayed. You sought counsel. You asked them, and, and, and they left you then, uh, and, and you've done all you could as a Christian to heal and restore the marriage. You, you're sacrificial. Listen, guys, uh, I watched a man in another city. His, he got saved, and his wife didn't, and this man, his wife just went off the crazy town Thing. You know, men bringing her in drunk at 2 in the morning. He's sitting there helping his wife get in the house, go to bed. tell you, he didn't have to do that. Do you understand what I'm telling you? She was flaunting it in his face. But he said, you know what? And I don't tell you you have to do this, and I don't know their everybody can. And the Bible doesn't say you have to do this. But what I'm saying, I've seen people do these kind of things. And he said, God, you forgave me, and, and, and you did this for me. I'm gonna do everything I can for her I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be the connection that woman accepted Christ she finally could not live down the grace of that husband in that home and repented of her sins and have a wonderful marriage God can do that that's about as bad as it gets in his face guys different guy bringing her home put her out on the curb two o'clock in the morning helps his drunk wife stumble in the house that's grace that nobody but God can give a person I know that's kind of raw but you understand what I'm saying I'm not trying to... Here's what my goal tonight. We're, and I'm sorry, I'm not going to get to that third question. Our, our, the, uh, does God hate people? I got some really good news for you. There's a scripture that says God hates someone. He's speaking about nations and groups. And, and there, I love Jacob. I hated Esau. Remember the brothers Jacob and Esau? I'll get more detail with it. But what God's saying is, I don't hate the man. I, I hate the sin and the product of what came out of there. God is against that which damages his people. Okay? And, and I'll answer that more thoroughly. I'll give you more scripture. But let me go back to this. Here's what I want you to see. What are we saying? God created marriage. Marriage is to be a blessing to you, your family, the church, the nation. God hates divorce. Why? Because of what it does to the people that go through the agony of that. In Scripture, if you've been a victim of adultery, you can be divorced and remarried with the favor of God. If you've been abandoned, you can divorce and remarry with the favor of God. Now, abandonment, they left you. You didn't leave them. Abandoned. You're the victim of abandonment. You can be blessed. What happened to you before you were saved? Guys, I just believe you know, you come to the Lord, and uh, let me just say crazy numbers. You've been married 10 times, your wife's been married 12. Some religious people say God can't bless that. If that's how you came to Jesus, that's how you came to Jesus. If you surrender that marriage to God, God's going to bless that marriage. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? What happened BC is BC. I, I don't know how to explain it. That's just what it is. That's what it is. It just happened. So, but, but to the Christian, We have a responsibility that we do everything we can before God from our heart to make that marriage work. We leave leave no stone unturned. If doing that, you're abandoned, there's a different situation. If doing that, someone's committed adultery and broken the covenant of your marriage, that's a different situation. So there are places God can bless a remarriage. There are situations God can do that. But in all these things, our hearts, is everybody with me, have to be honest before God if the blessing is going to be
1: there. So, That's it? Uh, no, several, oh. several. <laughs> I got this is the last one, right. okay? Both Hope are, I'm helping. Both are married Christians, but we've uh, fallen out of love with each other. We both want a divorce. Can we marry someone else's and can we marry someone else with God's blessing? What did the Bible say? <laughs> what did the Bible say? I don't have to answer that
0: question. What did the Bible say? What did I read you tonight? You know the answer to that. No. I mean, and you say, well, it's easy for you to say you and your wife love each other. Yes, we do. And I'm not trying to be hard, and un- but here's what I what, did I, what did I, say about voting? Scripture's the final authority. What did I say about marriage and divorce? Scripture's the final authority. Because if we start shading it one way or the other because of my situation, your situation, where do we go? What do we do? I'm not given the right as your pastor to, to give in and go against the word to help you in a tough spot. It's not that I don't feel your pain. It's not that I'm hard and un, you know, uh, uncaring. It's not that that it, your, your situation doesn't matter to me and God. But we got to go back to the Word. And here's what I've seen God do time and time again. I believe that that couple, you know, here's what's gonna happen when it, when a couple gets to that place and and they're both Christians and they say, you know, we're done. We don't love each other. Da da da. You know, listen, man. If, if you fell out of love, you know, what, what do you mean fell out of love? You know, is, is it you know, like my phone? You know, what happened, my love? I don't know. I dropped it somewhere in my marriage. I mean, that's it. I dropped it. You know, fell out of love. What happened? I don't know. I just lost my love. Listen to me, people say, no more reason people want to get a divorce. We grew apart. Well, we should have grown together. That's not easy. I know it's not easy. You can change. It's not too late. You make a decision. you pay the price. You humble yourself, you repent before God. And you stop trying to wait on them to change. You say, God, change me. You stop trying to say, let them be the, if, they, if they'd be right, I'd be happy. No, you know, you've got to get happy between you and God, and they've got to get happy between them and God. You know, let, let me show you. It's like a triangle. See, here's where you are. Here's this unhappy husband. Here's this unhappy wife. And they don't like each other. All right? So quit worrying about each other for a minute. Watch this. And here's God. Let's let him start getting closer to God. Let's let her start getting closer to God. Quit trying to get this thing together here. Start getting this thing together there. God's going to bring that family back together. God's going to bring some healing. It's not easy. It's not easy. And right now, it'd be easier to quit and go. I get that. That's not easy. But I'm going to tell you, we serve a big God. He He parts seas. He raises the dead. He breathes planets into existence. And many times, when we get so hurt and wounded, you know, we we lose the desire for that person. But here's what I want you to understand. You want to live the rest of your life with the favor of God on your life. You want to to live the rest of your life blessed by God. And to break his word knowingly to get out of a tough situation and then just say, okay, let's sweep it under the rug and bless me in the next one. You understand that? You, you, You can't do that. So for your sake, I want to tell you something. Even a tough marriage, listen to me. Probably your best chance for a great marriage for the rest of your life Is to find out how God's going to heal the one you're in right now
1: that's
0: good. Man, I'm going to tell good. you that Because you do a divorce Then you've got to figure out the finances Then you've got to figure out the children Then you're going to th- 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 Then you're going to be paying for two houses instead of one huh? th- th- Then you're going to have Yours, mine, ours Then you're going to st- you, you think you've got tough stuff now I've been at this a while I'm going to tell you You're going to add some layers you never thought about Hold still. Hold still. I believe God can restore and heal that marriage. He's probably not going to do it by yourself. You're going to have to get some help if you're at that point. But there are godly counselors and godly help that can help you do that. All right? Let's stand together. I'm, I'm a minute over. I hope I've helped you tonight. Just try to pastorally tell you the truth and to bring some encouragement into your life. Pastor Josh, we've got some more questions there. We will we'll keep working on these, all right? We just, we'll keep working. Pastor Josh will stay after and answer every question that you have. <laughs> hey, I, hey, I believe in this guy. He could do it. He could do it. I believe in all our pastors. They're amazing men and women of God. Hey, guys, can you see, this is tough stuff, isn't it? Isn't it tough? But, but I want you to know something. God's for you. God loves you. God can heal and restore. And, and, and we, we just, we got to go back to the Word. Do you believe that God will leave you abandoned if you honor His Word in a tough place? No, He won't. No, He won't. You understand? He won't do that to you. If you make a decision based on the Word of God when you don't want to, when you don't feel like it, God is going to be there with you in that situation. Okay? Don't start a pattern in your life that you want to duplicate as you go. You know, I found myself, when I run from my hard things, I've learned how to run. I need to learn how to stand. Don't learn how to run. Learn how to stand. Somewhere you draw the line, instead of running up, I'm going to stand now. And God will bless that. God will bless that. God wants to bless your marriage. He wants to restore and heal. All right, so let's pray. Father, we've talked about some things that are really tough tonight. They hurt. They hurt. God, there's some really good people in this room tonight and watching by our social media platforms that are hurting. And that matters to you. You care about them. Lord, you're not just saying things and giving directives in your word because you don't understand. You do understand. For anyone to say you don't understand is foolishness. You sent your son Jesus Christ because you understand. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like we are because you understand. And Lord, your word says there's nothing too hard for you to do. Tonight, Lord, we need surrender, we need trust. We need to back up and get our eyes off of one another, maybe, and put them back on you. And Lord, I pray tonight that uh, families that have been through divorce and are remarried and have labored under labels and condemnation and guilt from even the church, Lord, I say in the name of Jesus, I release them tonight to be blessed of the Lord, to celebrate and rejoice in the marriage that they are in that your blessing and hand is upon them. Lord, those that have entanglements uh, from the past, right now, uh, husbands and wives hold hands, or singles, you, you grab God's hand. I break familiar spirits in the name of Jesus. I bind the influence of former sexual partners and, and, and connections, God, on the deepest level. I call on the blood of Jesus to cleanse us, body, soul spirit I call on the power of the Holy Spirit to release us and set us free Father I declare healing restoration acceptance hope as we go forward Lord we pray the blessing of God upon the marriages that are represented by this church family bless them God bless them indeed thank you for healing Thank you for restoration. Thank you that we can see from your word how you can walk us through the hard time and bring restoration. Father, finally, I pray again for those who are in a marriage that's hurting and difficult. Let them find grace. Let them find help. Let them find strength. Lord, let them just surrender. Put this hurt in your hands. And Lord, I pray that both spouses will do that. We love you. We thank you, Lord. We just believe that your hand is on us, and if God be for us, who or what could ever stand against us? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.